The Nerdist School Network. For class and show information, visit NerdistSchool.com. When she walked in, she had a look on her face that meant there was trouble. Do you want to do an angel podcast, she said. We already do a Buffy podcast, I said. But this one will be darker, taller, broodier. Tall, dark, and broody. Coming at you on the Nerdist School Network. Subscribe on iTunes. We drop on Thursday, but you can listen whenever you need to. It's a podcast. Save it. Listen in the car or on your jog. Or walking the streets of Los Angeles. In the dark when you're on your way to redemption. We'll protect you. Do you need protecting? Unknown. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think we got it. Okay. (laughs) The Navis and Frank present a comic book podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Novice and Frank. I'm Frank. I'm the novice. No, oh, you're no, not. not. Oh, am I not? You're I'm not. The, you're I'm the, the novice. novice. I'm, oh, I am Frank. I'm just Frank. That's Frank. He knows everything. He's except, the novice. Except my title in the show. Except for that. Uh, I know <laughs> that. I'm Amanda. I am the novice, and I know nothing except for Frank's title in the show. Oh, but folks, that's going to change because we're going to be sharing knowledge and thoughts and opinions about Peter David's X Factor run. Not the whole run, just part of it. Just about, yeah, just about like six issues yeah. there. Yeah. We'll be talking about that, sharing our thoughts and insights. Mm-hmm. So before we do that, though, of course, we've got to do our introductory theme song. That's right. And People since are clamoring I'm, for it. You know that is. I mean, they're blowing up the Twitter feed and our email address <laughs> at thenoviceandfrank at gmail.com saying we cannot, when are you guys touring or at least, very least, dropping a CD? Yeah, we got to drop it like it's hot. That's right. Putting these uh, putting these songs up on just SoundCloud so we can take them down. Maybe you know, we will. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll do it. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, but until we tour, we'll, we'll get you start a little uh, little tasty lick from the novice and Frank. Oh, I please kick us off with that tasty lick, Amanda okay. Barnes. Boom, boom, boom! It's X Factor. You got a weird chromosome in your genes. And you got action in your jeans if you're with your lady in the woods. Guess what? Your powers ignite, and all of a sudden you've got rays shooting out your eyes. It's intense, and it's real, just like us with a novice and And Frank. Just intense and real. Like just it. intense and real. It's us. That's right. <laughs> I think that's what our friends would use to describe us. Very much. Uh, yes. Intense I, uh, and real. When they say, uh, describe yourself. Uh, I say, I'm intense and real. Very much so. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, as we mentioned there during the cold open, we're talking about uh, Peter David's X Factor run. Now, his this is his first X Factor run. Peter David's done a few runs of X Factor. So this one was a success because they brought him back. They, they did. Uh, very much a different change of uh, tone and style uh, when he came back the second time. So this is his first one. And this was coming after uh, X Factor, uh, a Marvel comic series. Uh, debuted back in 86, and it was basically a way for the uh, the original five X-Men uh, to have a series of their own. They kind of spun them out of the X-Men titles proper, mm-hmm. the Uncanny X-Men. Uh, but the, the deal with that, though, is that uh, uh, originally Jean Grey was dead. She died in the death of the Phoenix. I didn't know that. Yes. So she, Is she the Phoenix? Uh, well, originally you thought she was the Phoenix and so that she had killed herself. Uh, she sacrificed herself to save the galaxy. She didn't like uh, what she had become. When the Phoenix Force had, had possessed her and granted her these cosmic powers, so she was on the blue area of the moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, the X Men were trying to save her from the Shi'ar, who wanted to put her on trial for destroying this planet. Uh, so that was a whole big trial, and eventually, at the course of the battles, they're fight, fighting uh, the uh, Shi'ar's Imperial Guard. Uh, she decides to make the uh, executive decision uh, to kill herself, commit suicide. 
to uh, to end this whole conflict. Uh, so that's how it ended. And, oh, yeah. so she was really dead. She was she, she was really dead, and that that was one of those deaths. Uh, sometimes in death in Mar- in comics in general, they don't stick around. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they end up like in a few issues later, or maybe a year later. You find that there's some loophole that keeps them, brings yeah, them back to life. I kind of thought the loophole would be that she was the phoenix. <laughs> well, she would get to be reborn. Ah, well, see, well, very much so that there was a loophole. Uh, mm. Well, not necessarily one planted right there, but uh, the phoenix, uh, of course, Jean Grey, dead off the table. But they decide, hey, you know what? We should do X Factor. Take our original five. Wait, we only have four right now. We need five. We need Jean Grey back, but she's dead. How do we get Jean Grey back to life? So uh, Chris Claremont starts, uh, uh, starts, uh, uh, and John Byrne. Uh, he, of course, they did the death of the phoenix. Uh, Louise Simonson is writing. Uh, 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 actually, no, Chris Claremont. No, no, wait, no, wait. Actually, wait for. X Factor, no, it was Butch Weiss, uh, Jackson. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm confusing all my artists. Well, and I'm about to call you out on it because I know the yes. answer to this. Do it. No, I don't. You don't? No, I'm the novice. <laughs> I don't know anything. <laughs> I know some stuff, but not about this. Uh, Bob Layton and uh, Jackson Guise, or okay. Butch Guise, as they did, uh, they are going to start over X Factor. So they need the other person. So they collaborate with John Byrne and they set up the storyline where you figure out what really happened to Gene Gray. And so while you think that the Phoenix Force. Uh, in the original stories, when it came into Jean Grey's body, she just uh, adopted the powers of the Phoenix. What you find out, though, is that she basically made the Phoenix Force came in and made a duplicate body of Jean Grey. And so that's what the Phoenix Force was, just a duplicate of Jean Grey. The real Jean Grey was still at the bottom of Jamaica Bay, this uh, at the uh, right outside New York, where the space shuttle that they were crashing in on when the Phoenix Force first entered Jean Grey. Instead of just taking over her body, made a duplicate became the Phoenix, Dark Phoenix, and so on and so on. The original Jean Grey that we've known and loved and we've read about was basically in a, at a state of suspended animation at the bottom of Jamaica Bay, outside New York, in a cocoon. And so they bring her out of that, and voila, you're able to now have Jean Grey alive and well in the in that, point, that, that time, the present-day modern Marvel Universe. I am not going to lie to you. I kind of like my idea better. I kind of like that if they were just be like, because Phoenix... And she can rise again, and that's the whole thing. That's it's right. just like it's just like. Remember how we said Phoenix? Yep. That's right. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that Phoenix is reborn. Again. It that's would have true. saved. It would have been like three panels, and it would have. They could have just started their whole. I don't know. No, that's true. Uh, I guess. I guess the only danger of that is perhaps they're thinking. Well, if she comes back now, she also still has that cosmic level power of the phoenix. Then she can just like keep coming back. Like there's no risk. Or if she actually just comes back into the same situation that she left. Uh, so okay. imagine then all of a sudden all these different alien entities are going to want to come down to descend upon her again. All right. Oh my, uh, so I could see like you. I'll allow it. Yeah, you're only opening her back up to get into the same situations as she was in when she died. Okay. Okay. That's fair. So this way so to she's... bring back Jean Grey, she comes back as a uh, pre phoenix. So she doesn't have any of those powers. She okay. basically is just uh, telekinetic and uh, telepath. So sh- this is the, really the only Jean Grey that I've known. Because I don't think I've ever read Jean Grey as the Phoenix. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So she was only, I mean, she kind of, that's always the thing with Jean Grey is that as she continues on, uh, creators like to start, especially after she came back from, you know, thinking everybody that she was the Phoenix and she was brought back to life here. The storylines are always like, well, what if somehow the Phoenix Force starts manifesting herself in this, our real version of Jean Grey. So they've always kind of dabbled with that back and forth. Uh, but yes, yeah, so the Jean Grey that you've probably read, uh, unless it was by Chris Claremont and John Byrne or before John Byrne and Dave Cockrum, mm-hmm. it was the real Jean Grey that you're reading and not the Phoenix. Hmm. 
So they do this whole big uh, miniseries. Now they have Jean Grey back alive. She gets up with the original four X-Men, Iceman, uh, Beast, Angel, and Cyclops. And they start X-Factor Investigations. And this is at a time when their cover story was that they were people that were looking to contain mutants uh, so they wouldn't be a danger to humanity. In actuality, though, they uh, so they're posing as this, as a front for people. Right. But in actuality, they get these mutants, they bring them back, and they train them to get better control of their powers so they could be... They could continue to lead their lives without any sort of fear of persecution. Okay. Do people know that they are mutants? No. In that so guy's that's no. their cover. Yeah, that was their cover. They are just like a, a, a regular humans doing this uh, this job. One of them they, just happens to be blue they, and furry. <laughs> uh, well, <all> <laughs> no one you, will know. You wear like an image manipulator that they'd wear before so that you could actually just uh, as a holographic display. So you could go, like Beast would do that, so would Nightcrawler. Oh, okay. You could activate that and everybody would think that you're a human being uh, without seeing any of your blue fur. It'd be cool. I mean, if, if well, I guess not because people would misuse it. But I was going to say, like, it'd be a cool thing for celebrities to have so they could just like go grocery shopping and nobody would care if they didn't if they didn't have any makeup on. <laughs> they wouldn't like they could like go to their kids ball game and not have to worry about the press like That's true you could crashing sh- their car. You could just change the way you look. Yeah. There you go. I was imagining when you said yeah, I, you don't have to worry about putting makeup on that you'd always just make yourself look like the best possible version, like the fully made up version of yourself even though you didn't put anything up. Oh, that's funny. I was just thinking like they'd just be somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> like I just gonna I'm not even bothered doing it myself. I'll just turn on this button and make myself look fabulous. I know. I love to what an idiot. I love that like you've got this crazy thing and my first thought it's not like, yeah, it'd be great for spies and I'm like, you know, so celebrities could like lead a normal life. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> you know. So they could just wear sweatpants if they wanted to yeah, and not have to be just judged. Like, get up and not be on who wore it better in, <laughs> the, in the stupid magazine. That's um, right. Uh, so. poor, those poor, poor, rich, famous celebrities. <laughs> My heart really goes out to them. Um, so that version of X Factor goes on for about sixty, uh, about seventy issues, uh, and eventually they decide to integrate them back into the X Men proper. But of course, they still have the X, this X Men franchise, X Factor franchise. So they decide to turn it around here, and they turn it over to Peter David. And the idea is like, hey, guess what? We're gonna have some mutants that work for the government now. That'll mm-hmm. be the hook for this. Uh, and so they comprise a new team of people that are working for the government, as you see right here. To start off in number 71, uh, we've got uh, Havoc, a strong guy, Polaris, Wolfsbane, and Madrox, and eventually we could add Quicksilver to the mix. Yeah. Yes. So uh, how? Do, so I, I know you were excited about Strong Guy the last episode. So he's very cool. Is that his name, Strong Guy? The yeah. guy that like he gets his muscles are all jacked until he unless he expels the power. That's right. See, and he's you cool. made fun, you made fun of him before. Last well, episode. I still think it's funny. But I, but yeah, he's pretty. Is that him on the? Is that him in that picture? Yeah, it was a super cool tuft of white hair in the front. Okay. Yeah. Um. So we. So uh, if anybody didn't listen to the last episode, we are we picked this this little arc here. Um, kind of the, the jewel on the crown that we were focusing on is, um, a specific issue within this arc and it was issue, which issue number, um, 87, yeah, 87. Uh, and this was recommended to us by RC who listens to the podcast. Mr. RC Phil. 
Uh, no, actually, different, oh, no. different RC. Ooh, look different at this! RC, I was yeah. assuming RC Phil. So look at that. we have. I, we now we know two RCs. Now we have two RCs in our life. Man, which That's one great. should we get rid of? I feel like we can only have we one. We only really have one RC. All right, so we'll go with this RC because he took the time to recommend a cool. That's story right, RC Phil. You're dead to us. Yep, sorry. Keep <laughs> stepping, RC Phil. <laughs> so, yeah. So this, so that that specific issue was recommended to us, and then. Um, we decided last uh, last episode that we should kind of read a little bit on the front and back end of that. Uh, and so that's sort of why I know we, we usually started in issue number one. Yeah. Um, and Especially I, just to, for you as a novice, oh or the novice, gosh. to give you a little context about what this iteration of FX, FX Factor was. Yeah. It, uh, I was, there was a lot going on until, for me anyway, I, um, I actually really enjoyed that issue that the specific issue we were recommended the one in the psychiatrist's office mm-hmm. i love that it's which just, is maybe why he recommended it to me because he thought that i you know enjoy that yeah it's just a great chance to just really kind of get inside these characters and see what makes them tick at least from from peter davis perspective yeah it was great and um i liked it i liked you know i liked the art i thought it was nice and simple and um interesting and it's i, I kind of wish i had an issue like that for like every ensemble driven for like every big ensemble driven like superhero story so like the wish... justice league or the avengers or yeah. fantastic four there's just an issue where they just sit down and they, they talk sit to down a shrink. shrink yeah just sit down and talk to a shrink and it's <laughs> like at any point you could kind of it's like once a year if they just did that then i could go and be like oh great this is what they're this is like how they're really feeling about okay perfect now i'm ready to jump in because man this the first issue we read i was i was lost with the story and the characters and visually a little bit Really, just yeah. from Larry Stroman's art, just the way he was telling it, didn't? Yeah, I um, you know what's interesting to me is that there are a lot of a lot of these pages I would blow up and put on a wall, like they look like pop art to me. I think they're really pretty. From Larry Stroman's run or the 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 psychiatrist issue? Uh, Stroman's run. Okay. Um, the yeah, the earlier ones. They're just they're really bright, and I think like um, structurally they're they're really cool. The way the colors kind of like bleed into each other, but just reading it, just like panel to panel, oh my gosh, I found it very difficult. I found it difficult to navigate. <laughs> uh, um, do you understand when I say that? Do you know like what I mean, or not really? Uh, I, you know, I guess it's it's harder for I, I can understand what you're saying, but I feel like for me, I as somebody that just kind of grew up reading the medium. Uh, being more used to fa- follow panel flow. I mean, certainly you can kind of tell when some panels aren't organized as well as they could be, but I also feel like I've read enough kind of different panel layouts and way artists approach it that I can pretty much track a story yeah. through that, even if the panels aren't arranged uh, for optimum storytelling. I thought this was really hard, even just like the points of view, like, so like here, so you've got, what's what's big guy's name? Strong guy. Strong, oh, he's good, I was so close. Okay, yeah. so strong guy, and then you go to the next page, and he's solid pink. Ah, yes. He's solid pink. So in this panel, he's wearing like a white shirt and and blue pants. And then you go, and he's further away, but he's solid pink. And I had to be like, is that the guy? <laughs> I had to go back and like check his pose because I'm not used to. Usually, it's like even if they're far away, they're still wearing the same thing. Yeah, I mean, I guess you that's know, just a, that's just, just a choice by the colorist to have yeah. something in the background just to uh, you know make them look that way as opposed to. Well, and like here, like he's got the little, what's her name in front of him? Uh, oh, for, uh, oh gosh. Uh, yeah, she looks her. like Thumbelina. She's so small. <laughs> well, because str- strong, strong guy is so jacked. Yeah, he's so, yeah, he's huge. And I get it. But like, I couldn't tell 
with the rest of these panels if she's actually really tiny and he's really big or if he's just big and she's like normal human size but the camera was down below them like looking yeah you know like I, it's so for me like i said i think they're i think they're really neat like i would frame them and use them as art but like, what the hell? What the hell's going on here? What is that? Like, what's even happening there? It's like a magic eye. It's like how many characters are in this panel? <laughs> it's like that's actually because I don't. Uh, well, we've got Shatterstar. Which got is Shatterstar. page? If anybody's like looking at their at the, home, I'm looking at the uh, the volume, and it's page thirteen. If you're reading the whole volume, and there's a panel at the bottom, and it's you got this guy. It's. He just like fades in, and there's another dude in front of him. Well, yeah, it's like, it's fins. Feral and Shatterstar. So Feral and Shatterstar, from, uh, who which sound like um, ponies, by the way. Like Shatterstar sounds like a My Little Pony, <laughs> like Flutter, like Fluttershy and and uh, Rainbow Dash. Yeah, oh yes. And Shatterstar, he yeah. sounds like a My Little Pony name. So that was my my. This is one of the first. Books I've read in a while. I feel like since I almost that, that was difficult for me to read. Yeah, I always felt disappointed with Shatterstar because he comes from the same world as Longshot does. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, a Longshot, a mutant that uh, he has like this. Well, not, not a mutant, but he has this innate ability for luck uh, when he's not focusing on it, but just naturally lucky things will happen for him. Uh, when he tries to manipulate it or try to for, use it for his own means, then it won't work. But if his lungs, he's just kind of just approaching, going through his day, mm-hmm. uh, life day to day, uh, and he's not focusing on it, lucky things will happen. You know, fortune so you just will favor like kind of want to have him around, but you don't want to tell him what's going on. Yeah, and and plus he's you know he's incredibly acrobatic. He's a fighter and things like that. But I always found that character interesting. He was uh, developed in a miniseries, uh, and it just never. He was a character that was really cool, and I think creators liked and fans liked, but nobody could ever figure out what to do with him exactly. Yeah, for sure. So instead, we also have Shatterstar. It comes from that same world, uh, and he was used a lot, uh, just like in various mutant books. So like uh, we've uh, uh, like X Force and uh, Cable would use him there uh, as well uh, in his series, and you're always like, why do I have tons of Shatterstar and very little Longshot? And I. I was always like bummed on that because I every time I saw Shatterstar, I was like, just do something a long shot instead, please. Long shot, long shot would be a cool. Would make like a great short film of him just like wandering around, being lucky. <laughs> you don't learn until later that he's a superhero, right? You know, comes home and he like puts on his cape and he's like, <sighs> you know, he goes out, he like wins the lottery, he like puts his business card in a bowl and gets free lunch. That's like every right. time he goes anywhere, he just brings business cards and he drops them in the bowl and then he gets to eat right there because he gets free lunch. There was a, uh, another, uh, actually a little earlier than this, but uh, Roger Stern did for Doctor Strange Story. There was a somebody that was like in tune with the, the mystical side. Um, and one of his just natural gifts that he would do is that he could always reach into his pocket and have the correct pocket change. What? And I always thought that was just like a nice little, just kind of like <laughs> subtle, kind of tiny little detail. If you, okay, if you could have like a weird, like a weird little superhero superpower like that what would you have you know something nothing like major mine would be that i'd always be able to uh find a a, a parking spot with a meter that has just enough time for me to do what i need to do that's pretty great to get back in and then go so i never have to pay for a parking you'd have to live only in la though because if you went anywhere else it'd be like a useless (laughs) that's true it only works right here right in la that's pretty good that's pretty good. You? I would want, and this could be blown out so it would be like a big major thing, but I would want to know where things were that I left them. 
So mm. if I focused hard enough, I'd be like sunglasses. And I could see in my mind's eye, like the sunglasses, and then I could zoom out and zoom out until I saw exactly where they were. Because I feel like I've lost a lot of really good stuff that just, that I have no, literally no idea what has happened to some things. None. Like without a trace, completely gone. And it drives me bananas because I'll do like the retracing. I'll like call people, you know, to see if I left things in their car. And I think if you if if you kept going along that path, then you could make it like an actual superpower. So it's like if you focused on like a missing kid, you could like zoom out, out and out and out and like see where that kid is. Right. You know, but for the sake of this game, it's it would be for think for dumb things like sunglasses. <laughs> well, and of course, yes. Like who cares about like helping people? Well, this is I just the game want, I want my I want my life easier. <laughs> I want. <laughs> yeah, that's right. This is the game. This yes. is the game we're playing. So yeah, but that I think that would be mine. Trevor, do you have one? Do you have like a like a little like a little day to day super superpower? I got nothing. You got nothing. Come back. To me. We'll think of one for you. Okay, if you think of one, I'll like wave at us and we'll because I'm curious. <laughs> He's like, I probably won't. I won't. I will never wave to you. Don't <laughs> I won't. you worry about that. Well, who? Okay, so who is she? Because she's cool looking. She's like a dragon. What? Oh, uh, uh, Empress. Yes, she's uh, cool. Yeah, but fine. you don't see her much. No, her design is cool. She's a bad guy. So see, that's another thing I can't tell is who's good and who's bad. Is that part of it? Am I? Sp- or am I sp- I'm supposed to know who's good and well, who's bad, what, right? Well, I mean, uh, by reading, you, by looking at it, you probably not. But you'd have to read the story. By reading it, you'll get get, get the idea. And mm-hmm. what's kind of interesting about part of this run is that it's also part of a huge crossover. Uh, at least from the beginning, uh, other than 71, which was just kind of at least get it set up for the, this kind of status quo of X-Factor. The rest of it, the first couple issues that we did uh, were part of the uh, X-Men, big X, uh, X-Men crossover Executioner song. Okay. So uh, 85, uh, 86, we're getting off on that. So it feels weird, like two of these stories kind of just coming in that fashion where you're, you're, not, you're coming in partway through a story. Yeah, well, that's why I think that I don't, I don't pick up issues in the middle i never i never have i haven't gotten to that point yet where i'm like sure i i'll read this without having any idea of what's been going on you know (laughs) um especially when it's something like this with so many characters yeah because i mean that the the x-men books that were around that time i guess probably pretty much like once a year would do some big huge crossover where they tie everything together and this happened to fall in there yeah, so you get X-Men, you get X-Factor, uh, and you get uh, any of the other uh, smaller books, too, as well, kind of tying in this all together. Cool. Well, yeah, I think it's really pretty. I think, like, look at that. Isn't that, like, isn't that just beautiful? It is. Uh, and so like, the— uh, I would put that on a, I would put that on a wall. I think a lot of the art is so pretty. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I think it's beautiful. And—but and I, th- but I think that— um, and that so much of these issues, with the exception of that one in the psychiatrist's office, are action sequences, mm-hmm. which is, I think, adds to my confusion. I'm just like, there's, it's all over. And I think it's maybe supposed to be frenetic like that. Well, and I think it's tougher, too, when you're coming in partway through, a, like, a 10-part story. Absolutely. And you're reading, like, you know, parts 8 and 10, and you're like, uh, mm, all right. And on? by this point, we're getting close to the climax, and things are happening fast and furious, and you're like, okay, I'm just coming right into this now. Yeah. So, um, but I think... It's yeah. To me, it's like not a dig on the art. Like I think like that's super neat. The shapes in it are really pretty. What I love about this. So, uh, so in '71, Larry Stroman does the art for that. But then for the big Executioner song crossover in '84, '85, and '86, Jay Lee does the art. Oh, okay. Uh, and it's really interesting to see like Jay Lee now. I'd be curious for you to look at a Jay Lee t- artwork now and that Jay Lee. So you see like the the beginnings of what Jay Lee would kind of refine throughout his career to where he is currently. 
but there's a nice thing like especially going back and looking at this so this is the co- it's like a cover of ex- uh, executioner's uh, executioner's song or the ins- what is it the, the first page first page uh, the splash page okay splash page uh, but like this cyclops you have cyclops and jean gray yeah it's uh, beautiful yeah and especially cyclops they're a very uh, another artist that i really love mike mignola he's the guy that created hellboy mm-hmm. uh it does a lot with you know like like a lot of solid blacks and a lot mm-hmm. of the artwork that he does and i feel like the way that he's posed and the blacks are all around him very much a Mike Mignola kind of influence on that. And it was interesting, like, now seeing, looking back and seeing that, but at the time probably not spotting that kind of uh, correlation. But mm. uh, very cool to look back. I feel like I've seen a Mike Mignola pose very similar to that in many other ones. So Yeah, I think, like, that That I would um, I would put, like, I, yeah, I'd put on a wall. I think it's so pretty. Um, but for the sake, for me, right, like, even these shots here of, like, so this would be, I guess, the second page. What's the first page called? Splash page? Splash page. All right. Vocabulary lesson. Yay. Splash page. Um, and is that for every comic book? The first page is called a splash, splash page? If it's one big, huge thing like that, yeah, they'll call it like a splash page. Sometimes okay. like, you'll open up a comic book, uh, for example, like in, in X-Factor 85, you open it up and then like we go. three panels. Okay. Yeah, three panels. So. so look how weird this one is. So the second, so it'd be the second page. And like, look at, look at his face. It's like part of the background. It's hard to see. Yeah, just kind of, uh, yeah, very stylized up there. Super, super stylized. So it's cool. Like, I think it's it, it's great. Um, in my mind, like, they're beautiful for uh, for posters. But for me, at least in the, the first and second issue, uh, difficult to read because there's so many characters, a lot of fighting, and I don't have the knowledge to know who everybody is from just seeing their face, which I guess is like they kept repeating their names over and over and over again. It's like, it'd be like if you and I were talking and I was like, hey, Frank, what'd you think, Frank? <laughs> Great job, Frank, like over and over again. But I think that's probably necessary. What do you mean, Amanda? Hmm. Okay, Amanda. Well, anyway, Amanda, what else? <laughs> <laughs> you know? So the three artists that kind of cover this whole range that we're talking actually four for including the annual, which we are, uh, you've got uh, Terry Shoemaker does the annual. Larry Stroman does issue 71. Jay Lee does 84, 85, 86. And then we've got uh, Joe Quesada does 87 and 88. Uh, and 89. 87, 88, 89. Okay. Those three are uh, four, yeah, four artists. Which one, if you had to kind of rank them in terms of which ones you like better oh. from best to worst, how would you rank them? I think as far as readability for me, maybe... Maybe Jay Lee. As your first? top? Yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe so, as far as like easiest read. Now I'm gonna have to like go back and look at them. Um, just because the panels are I think this is super stylized, the art is really stylized, but the panels are all separated. Mm-hmm. And so it's that's a little easier. Um that's the only one I can say with like real certainty. Um what do you, while I'm thinking about it, what do you, you have I, an opinion? I can tell. You know, I have to admit, like, looking back, and it was nice to go back and reread these issues again. Like, the Joe, the Joe Quesada that uh, does these issues, uh, man, I just, when I think of, like, the Joe Quesada stuff that kind of I kind of resonates with me, it's this stuff. Uh, you know, after just coming off, like, uh, the uh, sort of Azrael uh, run that he did in Batman with Denny O'Neill, uh, and then he comes over here to X-Factor and he does this run, just this... So what I like back in these is the way that Joe Quesada does hair. 
especially like for Quicksilver. That's so funny. It's just like it's a, even Havoc in this too, where it's like you can see a lot of the individual I can see strands. That. Yeah, I could totally see that. And especially with Quicksilver, it is so exaggerated, and those two like front wisps that hang out, yes, become like so stylized and such a part of them. You know what's so funny is that I actually was reading, and I didn't really notice those wisps until I got to his artwork. Yes. And I was like, oh, he's like the the tick. Yeah. He has those two <laughs> yes. like those two antennas sticking off of his head. Um yeah, which is fun. By the way, uh yeah, yeah, that like I think he's I think he's great. I like those a lot. Yeah. Um Pietro. So what's what's his deal, man? So he's Magneto's son? <laughs> so, what's his deal, man? <laughs> he's Magneto's son? So yes, so uh he and but he Wanda hates his mat. are, are yes, yeah, so the twin uh Son and daughter oh, of Magneto. Wanda is the one who f- fucked up the world. Yes, who said no more mutants in uh, uh, House of M. Yes, she's yes. like, oops, I'm sad and the world is dying. Is that right? Uh, she uh, she was in an alternate universe because yeah. uh, she lamented uh, missing her uh, her children. But she didn't actually have them, but she kind of did because they were in another universe. Uh, well, they this were taking. This yeah, shows they, you like what I remember from House of M. Yes. So yeah, they were. Uh, they, she thought they had uh, real children, but they turned out to be just kind of figments of her magic and her oh. mutant abilities of controlling uh, hexes and, uh, yeah, and probability manipulation. It was very sad. And magic. So yes. that's what kind of created that. But it turned out that they're not. They didn't really exist at mm. all of sorts. Uh, so she goes crazy, creates this alternate universe there. That's uh, right. And then at the end, she says, "No more mutants." Yes, and yes. that like reset everything. Yes, right? and that elimin- was like the catalyst to reset everything. Correct, and drop the mutant population down to like 198. Right. So a lot of the people that did have mutant abilities all of a sudden come back and wake up and they realize, wait, what happened to my mutant powers? They're all gone. Okay, and so he is her brother. He's her brother. So in this world, does she exist? She does. Right so now? this, yeah, this happened at a time. I mean, this is many, many, many years before House of M even right. happens here. I mean, this was back in nineteen, gosh, eighty six. No, wait, uh, gosh, early nineties uh, that this probably happened there. So yeah, so I mean, House of M didn't come out until like the mid two thousand. So, you know, at least a good ten, maybe even twelve years before that was even going to become like a an apple in anybody's eye, so to speak. In fact, I mean, Joe Cassider does the art here, mm-hmm. goes on to become uh, editor-in-chief and now even higher up in the ranks of Marvel. Uh, but that was a long time coming before this. Huh. All right. Yeah, so, uh, so of course, so Wanda, Pietro, uh, son and daughter of Magneto, they don't know that at first, though. Magneto knows that they're, they're yeah, Magneto knows who they are. But they don't realize who he is. And they find out later in a uh, miniseries, a Vision and Scarlet Witch miniseries, they find out that truly Magneto is their father. They thought. Was that like when it came out? Was everybody like. <gasps> yeah, well, I, it was one of those that seems like easy now that you think of it, especially mm-hmm. because how similar uh, Magneto and Quicksilver look with the big, you know, like, you know, two mutants hanging out with like white hair like that. You're like, mm, you guys related? It just seems odd. You guys look very similar. Uh, so it was it was a cool revelation, but it wasn't like oh my gosh, that was so out of left field. I could I never saw that coming. Right. It seemed like yeah, well, that makes sense. Okay, yeah, it so makes just sense. like a fun reveal. Yeah, they originally thought they were the 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 children of the Wizard. He was a uh, a World War II era speedster. <laughs> he's uh, called the Wizard. He's called the Wizard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so they thought they they were his children, but it turned out they were not. Uh, they were the daughter of Magneto, a son and daughter of Magneto. Okay, I think he's pretty cool. Yeah, and so uh, after they they so they leave uh, the Brotherhood of the Evil Mutants with the X Men. It's like you know you know we wanted to get away from this. We want to kind of uh, be good guys now. 
Uh, but of course, society sees them as just you know from the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. But mm-hmm. they join the Avengers uh, after the original core group of Avengers leaves. So you've got like Giant Man, Wasp, Thor, and Iron Man. They all leave, leaving only Captain America, uh, and said. Wait, what am I going to do now? Who am I going to lead? And they say, don't worry, we got some other people for you. They introduce Hawkeye, Quicksilver, and Scarlet Witch. Oh, that's the nice. Avengers. They like found their own replacements before they get, so they like, give their two weeks notice and then like go find replacements, and then Vamanos? Yes. So basically, it's Cap and then three kind of reformed criminals. So originally, not really welcomed by the public. Like, okay. what, what? This is the Avengers now? We've got Captain America, the, the guy that we love so much, and then three kind of re- convicts. What's going on here? <laughs> Uh, but eventually they kind of win everybody over there and uh, being the Avengers and stuff. So uh, everything turns out okay in terms of public perception. But Quicksilver kind of goes through some points. He ends up marrying uh, from the Inhumans. He marries uh, Crystal. They have a daughter, Luna. Uh, at various points, kind of Quicksilver kind of goes off his rocker a little bit. Sometimes he's more of an antagonist. Uh, and he's fighting against the Avengers. Uh, sometimes he's helping them out. More often than I like him best when he's on this side of the Avengers. Is uh, is Quicksilver Pietro? Yes. Okay. So that's his superhero name, Quicksilver. Okay, but how come he's the only one that? Okay, well I guess that's not true. I was like, the beginning I didn't know that because they just kept calling him Pietro. They didn't call him Quicksilver. That's true. I mean, well yeah, I guess it's like uh, instead of calling you Awesome Girl, I just call you Amanda. Call, instead of calling me what? Awesome Girl. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah well, that's I just great. call you Amanda. Aww. Yeah. There you go. That's how that's how you can tell when somebody's like, it's like when every, like when Batman will instead of calling Superman Superman, he calls him Clark. Yeah, and you're yeah, like, like now they've oh, reached, yeah. they've gotten to that point. Yeah, it's, you're, you're, you know, it's like oh, he's on the inside. You can still call him Clark. <laughs> mm, very nice. Right. Uh, but I thought like what was great about so having him in X Factor was cool because I, I for a while he hadn't really been involved with the mutants at all. He'd been more of an Avenger, uh, and I, and I liked I loved having him as Avenger, but. They kind of did this uh, re- 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 reorganization with Marvel where everything kind of came uh, divided up uh, and into different houses, so to speak. So you'd have like the Avengers house, the Fantastic Four, the Spider-Man house, the X-Men house, uh, all overseen by different editors. And they'd be kind of keeping a, a really like locked down. They'd be in charge of their characters. And if you wanted to use them in one of your stories, like you're writing Spider-Man, but you're like, hey, could I have Quicksilver in my book? You'd have to coordinate that appearance with the editors of that book just to make sure. Can I first kind of use that character? Yeah. And two, if I use them, uh, just, you know, what's going on with them right now so I don't make sure I, you know, contradict anything. Okay. Uh, And so I felt like what I didn't like about that approach is that it took away, like, the Beast, Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch, people that I loved as Avengers. Mm -hmm. And Scarlet Witch pretty much always stayed with the Avengers. But, like, Quicksilver kind of went away, hopped back back into the mutants with X-Factor, and then the Beast came back when they did the X-Factor comic book before this. And I, I loved him as an Avenger. I like, I don't know much about the Beast, but I like it. He will, like, put on his tiny little glasses. Yes. And, like, say something really smart. Yeah, there you go. I love it. Like, I love the visual, like, contrasting with, uh, what's what's his deal, man? Like, what what was he before he, was he just always the Beast? He was the he was a Beast. A good old, uh, Because uh, I've yeah. never seen him as any other form. Hank just... McCoy, yeah. So, originally, he was just uh, a human being, but he uh-huh. had, like, uh, enlarged uh, feet and hands. So, uh, <laughs> okay. like, in terms of acrobatics and things like that. He was just kind of real gifted towards sports, but he had this incredible IQ as well. Okay. Uh, so realizing he's a mutant, he goes to Professor Xavier's school for, for gifted uh, children. And then he's the first graduate. And he oh. goes and works for uh, a company. I think he's working for Roxxon uh, and working on some chemicals to try to eliminate his mutation. And he takes it, but it ends up uh, uh, changing and accelerating his mutation. It covers him all in blue fur. Um, so he... His only mutation was big feet and hands? 
Yeah, and and, and yeah, and, and uh, athletic ability. Yeah, back mm. then I guess like that seemed like back in the '60s when Stan Lee creates the original X Men. You've got you know Cyclops, yeah. who just has the eye beams. Uh, Jean Grey was uh, telekinetic; her telepathy kind of developed along the way. Okay. Iceman, who you know just could throw snow, he turned turned himself into kind of like covered with ice and throw ice and snowballs. Angel, who just had wings, right. And he could fly, and then you've got Beast, who has just like enlarged hands and feet, almost, almost sort of like a like like a gorilla, but yeah. like really super smart. Okay, that was just like I'm just like, come on, dude, you consider yourself lucky. Like big hands and feet, that's not even that bad. No, you're like trying to get rid of it. Jokes yeah. on you. Now you're blue. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But <laughs> I, I like. I felt like that version. Because it was always like he was like the brainiest one uh-huh. of the mutants. But when he, be, he got all covered in blue fur, sure, he was still smart, but he also became like a ladies' man as well. Yeah, I mean, and, kind of, yeah. Yeah, so he became, I get part, it. Yeah, he became part of the Avengers, hung out a lot with Wonder Man, and they were kind of like the, uh, I don't want to say like the Bing Crosby and... Uh, <laughs> Bing Crosby and Dean Martin. Yeah, sort of like <laughs> that, I guess. So, but, you know, they were like just like a duo that kind of go off. They really became really cool friends. They'd always go out, have adventures on the town and yeah. stuff. Bing Crosby, Danny Kay. Yeah, and I just I like that version of the Beast and him and Wonder Man hanging out in the Avengers. I always liked him as that. And then they eventually brought him back into the X Men, and they just like held on to him. And I never really liked Beast, that version of Beast back in the X Men. I always just felt like he lost because then he, he he flipped back more towards a really scientific. He became like he's he's a resident big brain of the X Men. So mm-hmm. he was always treated more like that, and he kind of lost that fun-loving side that he had as the Avengers. Yeah. Because I guess back then you had, like, you know, Tony Stark. He's, like, your resident brainy guy. So right. Hank Pym, like, they kind of downplay... Oh, excuse me. Uh, Hank Pym, you've got Giant Man, another big brain. So Henry McCoy, they kind of... Not that he, they, they, didn't, they made him dumb, but they never really, like, actively used a lot of his smart side a lot. They just used more of his athletic ability and his sense of humor. And I like that. I just I like that version. So when they swung him back the other way and made him more like the scientific guy, I'm like, eh... Not for you. So, yeah, even now. And they've always kind of like experimented with his mutations and like, oh, wait, he's turning him into like more of a, like a gorilla, like a lion or a gorilla. Um, yeah, I just like, give Lion's me like. beast, man. Yeah. So okay. I've always been kind of disappointed with the handling of, of Hank McCoy. Okay. I wish it was better. So, yeah. yeah so, uh, so now we have good old uh, Quicksilver, though. He's back in the mix. He's part of X Factor. And what I liked about this is. In the uh, 87, the issue that good old RC recommended for us, we mm-hmm. get a chance to really, I like to see what made everybody tick, but specifically I like the his, Quicksilver. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's funny because it, you kind of, and I, I hopefully this is the intention, but you're like listening to him or you're reading his dialogue and you're like, yeah, that is annoying. It is annoying when you go and you're like, you just it's so simple. Just like, let me do it. Just like, let me, you know, you feel like you're waiting on somebody. That's what he talks about, like how annoying it is when you go and you're like, you're behind somebody like at the ATM and they just like cannot figure it out. You know? <laughs> they just can't figure it out and like you're in line or you get up to you know, it's like if you go to it's like if you go to Starbucks and you're in this long line and you get behind somebody who gets there and then is like, Oh, I haven't even looked at the menu and you're like, You've been in line for twenty minutes. Yes. Like, and then you I don't know about about you if you get that way or not, but I do and then I immediately feel like a pang of like self i'm like just like shut the, like chill the fuck out amanda like you don't need your coffee you've been waiting for 20 minutes like you can wait another mm. like 90 seconds for this idiot to figure out what they want and it's not that big of a deal but when you're you no know, you're better than me because i have i do not have that pang no? i'm like you are you are a, a dum-dum <laughs> get out of here get it together don't come back in here until you know how to do it properly yeah 
it it is it's frustrating you know but i so when he says like imagine that and then he references that he's like and you got your own self-loathing you know you can't stand yourself but he's talking like this is you know this situation and this situation when you go to the you know you, you go to the drugstore and this person's like quibbling over whatever and he says like now imagine every person you speak to everywhere you go is like that yeah and i'm like yeah that's infuriating yeah and you could kind of see why he kind of adopts that really kind of arrogant yeah mindset. a little bit because it's just like he's he's legitimately just tired of like he's like i can't wait on you you idiots yeah and i can I, I, <laughs> and i say when i uh when uh the psychiatrist says uh you know, they say that you're high-handed and arrogant. And uh, he says, oh, am I kind of upholding that assessment? He goes, yeah. He goes, well, you know what? I uh, I revel in it. Mm-hmm. I, I Not everyone can raise arrogance to the uh, to the level of an art form. Yeah. I was like, Which yeah. is like the most arrogant statement. And I love it. Yeah, it's great. So I do. I really like uh, I really like his. And then you got the, okay, so also, the, the who also sees a psychologist, psychiatrist? She's red and like furry. Oh, Wolfsbane. Wolfsbane. Does she yes. have another name? Uh, uh, Rain Sinclair. Rain. Yes. That's her name, Rain. Is she Scottish? What's she her is. deal? Okay. So she was originally part of the New Mutants. Uh, okay. And that was when Professor Xavier thought the X-Men were out of space and he thought they were, had died. He recruited like some new children to kind of take up the reins. Okay. Uh, and so he recruited Cannonball, um, uh, Cannonball, uh, Danny Moonstar, uh, uh, Sunspot. And uh, Rain Sinclair was part of that as well. Sunspot and Rain. These are more pony names. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and then he also had Karma, too. Karma. It's Karma, Sunspot, yes. and Rain. This is my children's names. There you go. My kids. Welcome. They're wearing wheat uh, clothing I... and hemp <laughs> shoes. <laughs> and so she was somebody that was raised in Scotland uh, in a very religious upbringing. Okay. And almost to treat like her mutant ability as something to be ashamed of. Right. Yeah, and, she's very angsty. Yes. So very shamed. Uh, very, I don't want to say like ashamed, but yeah, just very like feels like she's very withdrawn mm-hmm. uh, and very just like, oh, wait, I'm supposed to be a good person. Uh, supposed to be, you know, very pious. And Oh, uh, is that why she kept saying like, I'm a good girl? I'm like, I don't understand what you're Yeah, but you have also like this ability that'll turn you into a wolf. Right. Even though and she then, can control And she's it. hairy too, which is, you know. Yeah. What are uh, what are her options in hair removal? Yeah. Yeah. What? Are, yeah. <laughs> a little inside Callback. joke. Yes. <laughs> uh, for those of you listening, you uh, we're gonna put a little bonus content. Uh, just for, just as a thank you. It's oh. all about hair. Hair. We'll see. We'll we see. We got perhaps. into a discussion about body hair before we started recording. You know, this, tweet uh, us at the novice and Frank <laughs> if you want to hear that hot topic. That is the conversation. It is a terrible idea if you're a woman to just ask the internet to comment on what they think about your body hair. That's the, the terrible. Comment on Frank's body hair. Don't, Please. Don't no, ask but me you, about mine. No, no, you don't have to comment on body hair, but if you want to know what our conversation was. Sure, we, that's yeah. fair. That's yes, fair. we'll release we'll that, hot, that hot content <laughs> that for hot, you. Hot content. Um, okay, so Rain. So yeah, yes. she's a little angsty. Uh, how'd you like um, Polaris? Uh, Polar. which one is Polaris? She's the one with the green hair. What is, what is her, she's just, girl's a hot mess. She is. Like, I've, I didn't understand. I was a little frustrated by... Her, the, the, her, you know, her being like such a rigid stereotype. Yeah, I, that, in in that in that specific issue, I was like, I don't get. Yeah, your... Polaris has I'm always sure been kind of dicey. Like she was her back. Uh, she was one of two kind of new X Men they brought in the fold. Of course, mm-hmm. Pol- uh, Havoc, uh, Cyclops's younger brother. Oh right, who's like having older younger brother. 
sadness. Yeah. Uh, first came on, and originally Polaris was uh, Iceman's girlfriend, Bobby Drake. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then Havoc came into the scene. Polaris got more interested in, than him, and they broke up, and so Polaris got together with Havoc. And they've always kind of treated treated Polaris like sometimes she's not all there. She's got you know like a split personality. Not not necessarily split personality, but and I don't want to say like schizophrenic. But she will go from like being really good to like really just kind of mean and bad, sort of. Okay, yeah, I got that. It's it was a little frustrating because you know her design is cool, um, but she's so very like hair flip. And I guess it's it's like you don't want to discount, you know, she's clearly got like an eating disorder, body dysmorphia and all that kind of stuff. And I don't want to discount any of that because people do have that, you know, just like people have the other qualities that the other X-Men in this therapy session are are very these human qualities, right, that everybody has. I kind of just wish that she'd been given more, that you knew more of a reason. I felt like you, she was just a broken record over and over again. Yeah. And I was like, if you're going to play this stereotype then give her some depth, you know? Like, I want to feel for her. I want to feel like, well, why is she so obsessed with her weight? Other than just, like, the pressures of being a woman, am I right? Yeah. But also, but really, though, like, why? Because I had no idea. I was like, I don't know why. Whereas the other characters, with their, you know, like, idiosyncrasies, I I kind of knew where they were coming from in that session because they said, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I wish... If I had to rank everybody out of here, I, I certainly probably put Polaris as, as my least favorite. Yeah, me, yeah, me too, at least in this in this specific issue. Uh, now, how about Madrox? Did you enjoy him? The multiple man? Oh, yeah. He's the one who's like, I can't be alone. They hit, I mean, they hit that pretty hard. Yeah. They did, in this issue, they did hit those things pretty hard. Um, yeah, interesting. You know, interesting enough. Now, this is just like the like uh, a little sand, like I feel like he's just tipping his toe, uh, dipping his toe into the Madrox pond, so to right. speak. Right. Uh, because he'd go back when they did another iteration of X Factor, they brought it back. Peter David first did a mi- uh, so a miniseries just based on Jimmy Madrox, uh, as kind of being like a private detective, oh. and then it started X Factor again, and he basically brought a lot of the people back: Strong Guy, uh, Rain Sinclair, and a couple other characters. It kind of almost came like a private detective agency for mutants, so mm. to speak. Uh, and I liked that. It, it certainly went beyond that concept as one kind of opened up and stuff. But I thought like he really did a lot for for Madrox and and uh, Trevor will attest like really kind of made this character so interesting. Madrox. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Jamie Madrox under Peter David is probably one of the best jobs he's done with a character. Mm-hmm. Is he? Is it Madrox or Madrox? It's two words, right? Madrox? No, it's no, one it's all, all one word. Madrox. Jimmy Madrox. Jimmy Madrox. Yeah, um, I uh, I thought he was cool. I would have liked to see like a little bit more of him, just because I, I, I think it's an interesting. His concept is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, pretty neat. So. Yeah, if you really want to see what uh, where this character goes, uh, yeah, the the other X Factor run also available in Marvel Unlimited mm-hmm. uh, that Peter David did. Jeez, gosh, went over. 70 issues, I think. Yeah, you oh, wrote wow. a lot of them. Yeah, so I mean, it really just takes that character uh, and goes. And it's one of those that, like, I don't feel like anybody, like, at, at once Peter David and X Factor ended, uh, like, well, he hasn't been treated well since. <laughs> As Trevor will attest, huh. the uh, X Men and Humans uh, crossover that just wrapped up there that uh, Charles Soule and uh, Jeff Lemire did not, did not service oh. Jimmy Madrox well at all. No, didn't serve any of them, but Burn. yes, uh, Burn, but Trevor. definitely Jimmy Madrox and Cyclops. Neither of them 
No, no, oh. they did not fare well under that. Uh, I'm hoping that there's, uh, with the X-Men Resurrection that's coming up soon, uh, hopefully it'll be almost like the DC rebirth of the, of the mutant world. I'm hoping that a lot of these things can be kind of corrected and okay. adjusted so we can actually enjoy reading a lot of the mutant stuff. All right. <laughs> Megan, that's my Christmas wish. That's my Christmas. Ugh, look at Parlaris's great costume. Man. I know, yeah. Her, yeah, her costume's super cool. I th- yeah, I do. I think her design's really neat. I just wish that she were more than just like the one note. Um, yeah, because her stances. And- You're right about the hair. That's so funny when you point it out. The way Joe Casada just does the hair for all this was just always, oh, man, I just always enjoyed it. In fact, I remember reading this as a kid and wanting my hair I, I I would deliberately wear my hair really long so like yeah. the front of it can kind of wisp out and if I'd wear baseball caps and put them backwards I'd always have like two wisps sticking out that is so great thanks I'm gonna Pixar didn't happen you <laughs> <laughs> uh, see kid pics I think I can find one really yeah. oh I'll please yes alright guys if well, well hashtag wispy hair Frank wispy hair trust me yes uh, yeah that's uh, so great Erica will make fun of me if she's like man you were just so so cheesy. And I'm like, yes. It's so great. <laughs> well, um, did you so I did you enjoy this whole in general, this entire arc I, and the special? I, yeah, I mean it's it was like weird, like in terms of just reading this to go back and, and have part of it be the executioner song as part of this. Mm-hmm. It was weird how they laid out that trade if you're looking at it in just in a trade collection that they have that and they're like, oh, all right. Mm-hmm. Uh because I feel like the Joe Casada issues kind of stand more on their own. Uh, and the way, of course, being the, the, the part of a crossover, you're like, eh, all right, uh, we're, we're also inundated with all these other characters and bits and pieces of storylines that we don't have the full context for because we're you know, reading you know, various different parts of these. So uh, the joke, I mean, especially 87, it was great to go back and revisit that because that's as soon as you mentioned it to me in the last podcast, I knew which story you're talking about because it's such a well-regarded story and such a nice great character piece. It's really interesting, right? Yeah. What are the odds? Like, oh yeah, right, this specific number, like we all know what it is. So yeah, Um, I agree. I think that that one issue I really dug. And I actually liked all of it. It's kind of for me going in some stories I'm okay reading with no prior knowledge Mm -hmm. and I can get through them. This one was a struggle for me. Not to get through, but just to feel like I wasn't completely lost. Yeah. You know, and especially in those long fight sequences, I was finding myself kind of flipping through pretty quickly because I just, I just didn't, I just didn't know. I'd cut to kind of where it was wrapping up and be like, and they'd be like, this happened and this happened. I'm like, great. (laughs) Caught up, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think it was, that one issue I think was a great recommendation. So thank you, RC. Because yeah, I I did like it. I thought it was really awesome. No, and it's nice to show you, you can do a story that doesn't have to have a lot of the stereotypical comic action. Mm -hmm. You feel like there's got to be a big, huge battle or a lot of big splash pages of people duking it out or showing their abilities. It can just be characters in a room talking to somebody, just kind of opening up about themselves. Yeah. And that can be just as engaging uh, as seeing a bunch of action scenes as well. Yeah. Now, was it like that for you too? Or would you still rather have the action scenes? No, no, like, you know, these are stories that, like, if you could get every, you know, I, I mean, I guess in, in terms of the superhero context, you, at some point, you want to see them in action. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess if I were to say, like, boy, if I read every issue, if it, if it was as this good, mm-hmm. I still think at some point I'd want to see them, like, doing something. Oh, yeah. Something. Yeah, you don't want to, like, just see them in therapy. Yeah. Or maybe you don't. I probably could. 
Yeah, maybe. Like, I don't know. Good. But because they, there'd probably be a fight that would erupt at their therapy session. Yeah, I, I feel like that that and the doctor would be like, "This is a safe space. Stop." <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it, that could be a very cool title. I don't know if it could be a Marvel or DC title. I think if you did it like as an image book. Where you change the whole focus, and it's just like, hey, this is about a superhero psychi- psychologist. Can I do that? You could. Where you we're only seeing the sessions or something like that. We're not actually seeing them act- actually battling. I think if you're trying to set that kind of book in the world of DC or Marvel, it's not going to do well because you want people coming in wanting to see their superheroes doing superheroic things. Okay, guys, I called it. I called it. It's called yep, Safe she- Space. Oh, oh, Safe Space. And get ready. It's a superhero psychologist. So nobody else take that because I'm doing it. You should do it. Can, but the, can I? Can I feature? I can't feature the like Marvel heroes and. You wouldn't be able to do that. But what you do is you just kind of uh, make your own versions of those, make your own homages. So people read it like, oh, that's a very much like a like Wolverine character or a Superman character. Like Man. Well, maybe not that. Yeah, maybe that not that quite on the nose. Nocturno. But, but you definitely like, like the, Nocturno. Yeah, you, he's just a guy that sleeps upside down. And... Well, there you go. <laughs> I, but you could, you could definitely do your own takes on those characters, like kind of like uh, Kurt Busiek does with the Astro City. You can kind of see some of the nods of mm-hmm. where he's drawing some of those characters from. Right, yeah, so happening. look at that. It's uh, happening. So by the end You're of 20, welcome, world. End of 2017, we'll, we'll see uh, first Safe issue space. of Safe Space oh, by Amanda Barnes and Artist TBD. Artist TBD, call me. <laughs> call me, we, artist. You know, if you want to do this, we could go find you an artist. You write the script, you write the script, we, get it, we, well, we can find you an artist. This is happening. Oh, what a a great way. This is how we get people to listen to the podcast is we hook them with a a book and then we just post it. What a great way to end 2016 with the the, the promise of uh, inciting Amanda's creative juices. Oh, boy. This is going to be great. Yeah. So uh, I say we we end this, though, in in terms of we agree, uh, recommend this to somebody to kind of read. Yeah. Specifically 87, for sure. I would 100% recommend 87. I would recommend, I would rate this more of an advanced reading project for uh, anybody that's newer to comic books because it's a little overwhelming in, with the action and the sheer number of characters and the storylines going on. And then um, that's, so yeah, I'd rate it a little more advanced reading. All right. People, but as soon as you kind of get a gist of, if you dig the X-Men and you're like, I need more, then this is a great story. Well, look at that. Mm-hmm. All right. What a way to end 2016. Thank you, RC, for the great recommendation. Yeah, thank you, RC. Everybody listening, we are going to take uh, two weeks off to enjoy the holidays. So. Ooh, happy holidays. Happy holidays. Now I have to pay somebody, I think, because we just did that. Mm, sorry. Mar- mar- we'll take it out. Um, <laughs> so have a good uh, whatever whatever you're celebrating. Or if you're not celebrating anything, just enjoy uh, yeah. your town maybe being a little quieter. Because That's true. And the traffic being quieter. a little lighter. Yeah, you're welcome. That's right. Thank you, everybody. Uh, I will be leaving, so you're welcome for my car not being on the road. There you go. Yeah. Uh, but let's give thanks to uh, the Nerdist Podcast School yeah, and the booth so for Nerdist letting school. us record here at the Nerdist Podcast School Nerdist School Podcast booth. There it is. Yeah, I thank said you it so all. much, the uh, NSN. Uh, follow So we've got a bunch of uh, sister and brother podcasts. They're really... We've got a, a nice variety of different things. We've got storytellers. We've got uh, fake news shows. We've got more um, superhero stuff. So take a look at uh, the Nerdist School Network. See if there's anybody else that you're uh, interested in listening to. Specifically, what if you take a listen to our engineer Trevor's podcast? Oh, Podcast of Two Worlds, you say? I, I did say that. You did say it. Yeah, look at listen that. to that one. Yes. Uh, Trevor, did you find a, a day-to-day superpower? That you might want. He's like, I was hoping you'd forget that. No, he didn't. He didn't even nope. give it any thought. That's okay. Nothing. You got nothing. You know, I th- I'm gonna I'm gonna say for Trevor, he would like the superheroic <laughs> ability that if anybody asked him like a inane question like that, he'd always have an answer at the ready. 
Yep, exactly. That's it. Go. Nailed it. That's great. It. Yes. Look at that. All what right. a great ability that would be. <laughs> what yes. a great. You just got to carry Frank around with you to either either give you the answer or make me stop asking questions. No, we don't want that. Okay. Uh, so yes, we'll take the holidays off. But we'll be back in January. We'll with be back in January. Fresh new episodes. That's exactly right. Yay, 2017. Let's hope it's better than 2016. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, maybe, I think we're going to uh, when we come back, we want to do like a look back of titles that we enjoyed throughout 2016. Sure. You we don't know. have to do like the best of because I feel like that kind of you know like also you're expecting like sometimes you just read a really just like you know like you want macaroni and cheese, but that doesn't mean it's like you know like the. Hope cuisine. Yeah. So, yeah, they're all good. It's all good. <laughs> they're all so. good. Yeah, go back and kind of take a look at, uh, at what we've done this year and sort of re- revisit the good times. Yes, stuff yeah. we enjoyed reading in yeah. 2016 That's by right. Amanda and Frank. There we go. Uh, Frank, where can they find you if they want more Frank Moran? Uh, well, nobody wants that. <laughs> uh, but if for some reason you lose a bet uh, or you're held at gunpoint Aww. and you need to... Uh, for some reason to save your life, uh, find more about me. You can follow me on Twitter at Happy Go Jackie. Fantastic. Uh, Amanda, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me at Comic Book Novice on Instagram or Twitter. Uh, and if you guys uh, want any, want any reading, you too could be like RC. Yay! If you uh, recommend some reading for us, we're happy to uh, to put you on here and and give you a little shout out if you have a, a Twitter handle or anything like that. So in hashtag uh, Novice and Frank, or you can email us at uh, thenoviceandfrank at gmail.com and yeah. just let us know what you're thinking. If you disagree with something we said or fully support it, tweet at us, comment with all the social medias. That's true. And if you're a creator and you've got a title that you're working on and you'd love for us to talk about it, we oh, would yeah. love to talk about your pro- your project as well. That's so yeah, right. get in touch with us. We'd be happy to read it and talk about it mm-hmm. and uh, give it an in-depth re- uh, look. Yeah, we'll um, take a little, uh, we'll we'll talk about it on the podcast. Or if you want to come on the podcast and talk about it yourself, if you don't trust us to uh, to say <laughs> great things about it, come on, talk about it yourself. We won't diss in front of you. Come on. No, not at all. <laughs> not we're, at very, all. we're very polite. <laughs> very polite. Uh, thank you guys so much. Happy 2016, and thank you so much for listening. We'll see you in 2017. And, of course, it wouldn't be the end of the podcast or the end of 2016 if we didn't play you out with a song. That's right. You're welcome. Jingle jangle. Holiday jingle jangle. Podcast under the Christmas tree. Singing a lot for you and me. Mistletoe drops into the room. And we both jump out to kiss you because we are the novice and Frank. Excellent Foley work. Thank you. <laughs>